I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. You know, it's so easy to get boxed in, to let others dictate who we are and what we do. So in this episode of Publishing Secrets, I want to encourage you to resist, to stand up for yourself and who God called you to be. It's your own journey, and you are the one that's accountable for the gifts, the skills, and the talents that God has placed in you. So don't be afraid to be different, to blaze your own trail and to chart your own course. That's why I'm excited to have with me on the show today, Lystra Wilson. She's had to battle this and fight to be distinctly different. And now she's on a mission to encourage others to step into the fullness of who God has called them to be. Because God has a plan for you. And it's much bigger than anything anyone could ever imagine. So we want to encourage you not to give up on yourself, no matter how hard things seem. The best is yet to come. And Lystra has a word to encourage you. Enjoy. Lystra, welcome to Publishing Secrets. We've been having a great time catching up on growing up in the church and what that looked like for each of us. And I'm excited about having this conversation with you, sharing your ministry and your mission with the audience. Thank you so much for making time to be here with us today. Oh, yes. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, as I was sharing a little bit earlier, we have a lot in common having grown up in the Pentecostal church. And for our listening audience, if you have not experienced Pentecostal church, you have missed out on something in your life. (laughs) It is a unique experience. um, And along with that, you learn a lot, you grow a lot. And sometimes uh, when we're in church, and I know that many that are listening to us can identify with this, sometimes uh, church is a little different than we would expect. Sometimes even in the church, we can find ourselves being put in boxes. That's the word that comes to mind. We can find ourselves being put in boxes. And you have this burning desire, this burning passion to see people step out of those boxes and really embrace who God has called them to be. What I'd love to do to start though, Lister, is let's talk about how you got there. Tell us a little bit about your experience growing up, some of the things that you saw and why it led you to start this mission and ministry. Yes. Thank you so much. Well, I was adopted as a baby. Um, I was given up at birth. And so for me, rejection started very early in life in the womb. And so that being my story, of course, the Lord uh, transplanted me into an amazing Christian family, which thank the Lord for that. I was raised in church in a Pentecostal church, as you've said, Um, lots of activity there, lots of loud music, lots of people shouting and being free to be who they are. 
But somewhere in the midst of that, I always felt kind of tied up. I always felt like, oh, everybody else can shout and jump and raise their hands. And I feel embarrassed to raise my hands in church. I feel embarrassed to, um, you know, stand up and testify in testimony service. Or if I got the guts to do that or to sing a song, there was always this backlash is persecution of, you know, people thinking you're trying to show off or want to be cute or whatever, any little way that you would step out to lead something, you know, then that would cause persecution, which is interesting because these people would never lead. (laughs) So when someone else would try to lead here, they go with the backlash. But so, um, yeah, I I grew up that way. Um, very bright skin child in a dark skin family. So people just always knew that, uh, you didn't start off here. You got implanted here some kind of way. And so I always kind of just grew up with that. I know I like I belong because my parents love me and this is my home, but kind of knowing I came from somewhere else. But I always knew that the Lord had his hand on my life and a plan for my life. And so it was never like I felt completely, you know, like an alien, but kids can make you feel like you just don't fit in. And so it just became my thing over time that I, I would make friends with the underdog, the person who was eating lunch by themselves, the kid at church who didn't have a bunch of friends circled around them. I would go to that person and start talking to them and make friends with them. Somehow, I guess I felt I could relate or because I didn't want them to be by themselves. Like I was willing to be their friend. And so those were my friends over time. You know, it would just be the one-on-one friendships is where I was most comfortable comfortable. And so, but as I've grown up and, you know, done a lot of growing in the faith and healing of my own spiritually and such and emotionally, um, I've just discovered that that's just who I am. I'm that person who wants to see other people healed, other people happy and moving in the purpose that they were created for. And so that's what got me here. I just want to see people doing what God created them to do and doing it well without all the baggage of the past. Mm. You know, as I was listening to you talk, Lesha, what came to mind is that there is a, a, a barrier that sometimes we have to burst through literally mm. like here's where we are. And here's where God wants us to be. Here's all the potential that we have. But mm-hmm. often we have to go through yes. in order to get to that other side. Yes. In your experience, Lisha, what are some of the things that people have to go through to get to the other side of where God wants them? In my experience, uh, the women that I minister to, they've gone through all kinds of abuse, a lot of them physical and or emotional, verbal type abuse from their parents. Um, It usually seems to be mother to daughter. Um, You know, if there's hurt in your parents, then they're going to pass that hurt to you even unbeknownst to them. A lot of people don't realize that they're broken or they've been through some things and that they're sort of treating their children a certain way. But yeah, there's a lot of abuse that happens in childhood, a lot of neglect. And especially I believe in this generation of kids who are now in their twenties, maybe thirties right now, 
they were latchkey kids. A lot of parents did this double income and left their children at home to tend for themselves. And so a lot of children felt abandoned. Nobody's ever here for me. My parents don't ever have time to come to my games. They don't care what I'm doing in school. They never ask. They don't come up here. And so it's just this, this general, um, you know, neglect and the enemy would like to use that as your identity. Oh, you're a neglected person. You're abandoned person. You're an orphan child, you know, and he begins to put these things on you as your identity. Whereas these may be situations you went through that does not then equal your identity, right? I could have a cold that doesn't make me a sick person, you know, necessarily. It's just how you look at things is like, that can be something you've struggled with. That can be a mistake you've made that doesn't make you that, you know, and so the enemy wants to pin that on you as your identity so that you stay in that hole, you stay in that hurt, stay in the pain, never forgive those people. Don't ever let go of that bitterness because he understands those laws of, of the world, the, the spiritual laws that be that if you hold on to those things, it can block your uh, prayers. It could block your potential uh, purpose because all of that baggage you're holding on to is taking space in your soul. So you don't have room for the beauty. You don't have room for the good things, the identity, the love of God and the fruit of the spirit. You just filled up with all the bitterness, the hatred, the upset, the hurt, the pain, the anger. And so that produces what you were just talking about those barriers we have to get through is a lot of times just our own labels that have been placed upon us that we need to reject as lies of the enemy and realize that the enemy is only going to attack what he's afraid of and so those things that you think are your weak points are really the things that are going to tear down the enemy's kingdom and so just that mindset shift of recognizing you know what the enemy's doing versus what god's plan was if we could just switch that, that produces that energy, the trajectory to push through those barriers and things that are set up. It's so powerful. You remind me of something that I saw so many times in life coaching when I was really focused on that space is that our thought about something mm-hmm. is often more powerful than the experience itself was. Yes. It's mm-hmm. how I think about what happened that ultimately determines the outcome because I act based on the thoughts and the feelings that I have about it. And you're, you're driving home for us. Yes. I know that you experienced these really hurtful and really painful things, but that doesn't mean that that's who you are. You still have a choice on how you think about those experiences, whether you allow them to hold you hostage and to carry around those bags that reminds me of that old song. What is it? Erica Badu with the bag lady with all the different bags that she has that she's carrying around. Right. Some of us are carrying these bags around and it's not the event or the situation that's actually holding us back. It's Mm -hmm. how we're thinking about it and the bags that we're carrying around. Would you agree? Yes, totally agree. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's why your work is so important. Yeah. Yeah. That weight that you're carrying around. I think what's interesting about what you just described, I could like see it. It's like, you're going to the airport and you've got like five, six bags. You're trying to roll around. The end result of that is you're exhausted. Mm. You're just exhausted. Like you've done a whole lot, but at the end of the day, if you would have dropped the baggage, you might've enjoyed your trip. (laughs) You 
you can't even enjoy your trip because you're just working and tired and exhausted from the burdens that you're carrying. And you're not able to really see like, oh, this airport is is beautiful or, oh, these people around me, I can have conversations with people I've never met or, you know, you can't enjoy the process of what you're doing because you're working so hard on baggage, you know? (laughs) Wow. That's a powerful visual. And and as I shared, it, it illustrates why the work that you do is so important. And you've poured that into the book, uh, Fivefold Females. Talk to us a little bit about how everything that you experienced growing up and this desire to see people set free led to the publishing of this book. Yes. So growing up in the church, that was my focal point in life always, just God-focused, faith-focused. And so I grew up in a Pentecostal church, as you were saying earlier, but in that church, we weren't really taught about the fivefold gifts or the fivefold ministry as much. Some churches d- did that, but mine didn't focus on that. So the fivefold ministry is basically um, made up of five offices, which is um, prophet, apostle, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. And so those fivefold ministries, those particular five offices, Um, is what we're talking about. And so my pastor, Dr. Rob Cavell, wrote a theological book about fivefold females, which has all of the biblical background and all of the things that you would want to know biblically um, there. And so the book I wrote is a companion to that book, and it is a workbook so that as you're reading the information, as you're reading the scriptures, as you're um, kind of diving into like, huh, you know, I might have some qualities of one of the fivefold ministry um, branches. This book that I wrote is um, to take you through some places where maybe you were rejected as being a woman in leadership, because many church denominations still do not allow women to be leaders over men. It's okay if you want to be over the women's ministry, the children's ministry, but you cannot teach Bible study on Wednesday because there's going to be men there. You cannot be in the pulpit and give a sermon because you're not a man. And so they take certain couple of scriptures in the Bible out of context and use that as a reason to change the other 99% of the Bible that shows women who are leaders. Women were queens. Women were judges. Women are apostles, pastors, evangelists, prophets in the Bible, in the Old Testament and and in the New Testament. And so obviously, if it's in the Bible, it's approved by God. And apparently, if there's maybe two scriptures that people use to hold women out of those titles, those are being taken out of context because the Bible does not contradict itself. And so we need to be willing to dig deeper into the contextual things. You know, what was Paul really saying when he was writing and what do those particular verses, what are they really speaking of? Not women in general, because he rolled with women apostles, women pastors. He supported their churches. Obviously he's okay with women speaking in church, but maybe not in the context of the letter he wrote. (laughs) 
about the particular women need to be quiet in service. That's a different context. And so if we take things out of context, we're already (laughs) messing up in the Bible. Mm -hmm. But so I wrote the book to help women who were being persecuted and held out of leadership positions, titles that they feel called to in their soul, um, but were not allowed, quote unquote, allowed by men to be able to hold these offices because of a couple of scriptures people are taking out of context. And so I wanted them to have a space where they could journal in the book. So it, it has journal space. It has space to examine, hey, have you ever been in a situation where you rejected? Um, with, um, Do you want to ask the Holy Spirit these questions? Hey, is there anybody I need to forgive? Is there some situations I need to clean out of my soul from the past? And then who am I in Christ? God, who did you create me to be? And then be able to just journal through those things and get some healing and some activation prayers. And so that's why I wrote the book to help those women who may have grown up in those various denominations and were told they couldn't. And so they've never examined that they might be. And so, you know, examine yourself and not only not from this perspective, what people say you can't do, but from the perspective of what God created you to do and be having willing to have the courage to just go ahead and move forth in that trusting God and not in what men say or women say about you. I love it because I just envision someone listening to us right now that's hearing you speak and thinking, well, I thought maybe I was called to do X, Y, and Z, but it just didn't seem acceptable in the circles that I'm in. So sometimes what we do is we, you know, we squash that, we push it down because it doesn't seem to fit the environment that we're in. And we conclude that it must not be for me to do that. But your message is tune into what God is saying about you and what he is calling you to. And he is the ultimate authority Mm -hmm. and who we should be following. Sometimes that's going to be people are rooting for us and cheering us on. And sometimes it's going to mean that people are not, but that is not the factor that determines whether or not we move forward. Right. Amen. Yeah. You may not be the popular opinion in what you're called to do. And often you're not. Look at all of the amazing leaders we've seen through history who have been persecuted, who've been killed for what they were trying to do. But eventually what they did in their life started a momentum, you know, just like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like that momentum is still moving through, you know, the African-American community. And so it's important sometimes that we might be the ones who need to take a courageous stand in our family. In, at our job or in our church. And there's reform that's needed. And so why not us? Why not me? Why not you? You know, make those changes or maybe change churches. If you're at a place where they are just saying, oh, this is not allowed. We don't believe it. And they persecute women in leadership. Maybe you need to ask the Lord if it's time for you to shift to a place where you are welcomed and celebrated. And I know some people who are facing that challenge and churches will guilt trip you and make you think like, oh, you're church hopping. Oh, because you don't like, you know, our answer. You're just going to leave. But you know what? God did not call me to be in a box and taped up where other people cannot experience his glory through me. And so there may be hard choices that need to be made. And so, you know, that's what this book is about. It's, you know, of course, not meant to break up any families or 
<laughs> any ministries, but, you know, it's just to say, Hey, this is who God's called me to be. And I'm so sure now because I've spent time journaling with the Lord and I hear and, and feel what he's telling me. And the Lord's going to lead me to a place where I can go ahead and have permission and authority to be who he's called me to be. So. Amen. Permission comes from God. We don't need permission from man, but we need permission from God just to know that this is the direction that he is calling us in. And once we have that assurance, then we can move forward with confidence, knowing that his perfect will will be accomplished. And so that's why this book is so important, because it's a a vehicle to encourage people and to equip and equip them and empower them to move forward. What I also know, though, Lister, is whenever you make a stand like that, whenever you make, as you've described, hard choices, and whenever you step into courage, the enemy is not going to stand by idly and let you do that without any opposition. So talk to us as you were working on this book, what are some of the things that came up that, um, that you had to deal with to push forward and get this published? Yes. Um, so true. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. Um, definitely with this particular book, um, even though the actual writing of it um, was only done probably within about a month. I know you probably have other podcasts on how to write your books quickly, but um, the actual process of getting to that was um, over a year. And in the midst of that, yes, there was definitely intense church persecution from leaders. Um, there was definitely um, my own personal holdbacks that I had to deal with because, you know, there's something about putting something on paper or in writing or even digitally like permanent. It makes you feel like, oh, no, once that's out there, like people are going to have evidence against me now, you know, like what's my pastor going to say? What's my family going to say? Like, you know, it's something about making something permanent that makes you feel like you're so vulnerable out there for people to say you're wrong for people to persecute you in some kind of way. And so the enemy wants to put that fear in you and raise that up so that you'll believe it so much that you never do it. And so for me, I face, of course, a lot of, um, of um, just procrastination is something that I'm just at the last ditches of burning totally out of my life. (laughs) Like procrastination really has a root of fear because it's the fear of what if, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I succeed? What if I fail? You know, it's all these, because when you succeed, more is required of you. You got to go to the next project. Now you can't just keep talking about that book you've been talking about for two years. That's good. (laughs) I mean, even success has its fear, right? But then there's the fear of failure. What if I can't do it? What if nobody likes it? What if nobody buys it? What if my pastor thinks that my theology is wrong? You know, um, there's all these what ifs, but see the enemy would love for the what ifs to raise up and be the Goliath in your life that nobody wants to deal with. And as we know from the story of David and Goliath, there's a whole Israel army that was standing out there just looking at Goliath that would not go fight him because he was so huge. And here we go with little David, who was smaller than all those other men. He was a boy by comparison. And he's the one who ends up defeating the giant. And I bring that up because what I love about the story of David and Goliath is that when he saw the giant, he was 
basically they were sort of bantering back and forth. And he was just like, you know, you come at me with spear and sword, but I come at you with the power of the Lord, the, the whole army of heaven. And it's basically like David was more offended by Goliath offending God than being offended himself. And what I love that he did is once he made his threat, he ran toward his giant. How many of us have the courage to run toward our giant? Most of us want to run away from it, get under the covers, never see it, never deal with it. But for me, that was the, for me, the Goliath was like insights, like get over your own fear and intimidation, get over the fact that, you know, this is something that your entire church is now going to experience and, and, and know about you more deeply, even though you can teach women verbally, you've taught these classes, you've done intercession, you've done all this ministry in person, but now because it's in writing, that makes it different. So you have to push past your inner fear of like, what are people going to say? Because the fear of people, the fear of man, it's a false fear because most of the time people will celebrate the thing that you are most most afraid of, you know? And so I had to get past that. And then I also had to get through some personal family challenges. Um, I had like a, a crisis happen literally the day that I was supposed to email the final manuscript. I sat down to finish it up, to email it that night. And I got a phone call and my whole next week was spent in another state dealing with a family crisis that was very difficult and having to just leave home, leave my office, leave, you know, I took my laptop, but you know, because I knew I had a deadline because I knew that, that the enemy had been pushing back on this book all along, because I know that this is something I'm supposed to produce. And I have a deadline I've given. It had to be on the table by a certain day for our women's ministry. And I was like, this has to get done. And so I was able to just take a day just go through the whole thing, finish it all up and get that thing emailed, even in the midst of the crisis. But by then it's because I had already made up my mind that nothing is going to stop me from doing the greater things of God. And if God has called me to this project, it's important. And if the devil is pushing back, it's because he's afraid of the deliverance, the healing and the identity that this book is going to release upon women in the world. And so I just felt like I had to take a hit for, you know, women or like, I felt like I'm the champion of, of the people right now. Like I'm the David here. If I don't get out here and get this thing done, conquer these giants, we're going to be plagued by this for who knows how long. So what are the risks that you have to take? What are the things you have to leave behind? What are the sleep you have to miss? I don't know. There's a lot of sacrifices in pushing past those challenges, but there's reward at the other end. If it's what God has called you to do and what you know is, is your project, your purpose, there's a greater um, audience that's waiting for it than just who you think your friends and family, you know, this is not about just me. It's not just about one person. This is about the world, the kingdom and what God can do with a thing when he breathes on our obedience. So those challenges, they have to die. They <laughs> like, have to die. And you run said, after them and slay them, you know, <laughs> you are not going to stop me. You were determined to stand up to your Goliath. And because of that, we have fivefold females as a workbook, as a reference so that people can really step into their identity and experience the healing that they need to. 
But sure, I want to make sure that our listening audience, um, if they've been touched by what you've shared, either for themselves personally, or they know someone that needs this, I want to make sure that they know how to get connected with you. Um, where should our listening audience go if they want to learn more about the work that you're doing, your book, and your coaching that you have out there? Uh, yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, they can just go to my website, which is listrawilson.com. L-Y-S-T-R-A-W-I-L-S-O-N. It's listrawilson.com. You can just go there. There's a way that you can email me through there. You can contact me directly. Um, There's all kinds of information of things that I do um, regarding coaching, as you said, um, even prayer sessions, um, coaching, um, you know, you through your challenge, your situation that you're going through. Um, You know, we can do that virtually. You're at my office. But I would love to connect with anybody who feels like, you know, this message is for them and not even maybe not even so much about fivefold females, but just in general, if you feel like you have that Goliath in your life that you can't seem to figure out how to conquer or you don't realize is your job to conquer, then I would love to help you through that because we all have to help and, you know, push each other through, you know, to encourage each other to be who God's created us to be. So. Amen. It's, it's so important that we be surrounded by other people that can help us. One of the things you talked about the enemy's tactics. And one of the things that I have noticed consistently about the enemy is he tries to get us isolated. He wants us over here by ourselves. um, Mm -hmm. And then we just have our thoughts and the thoughts that he plants that are not productive and helpful. But if we are in the context of community, uh, which could be one person, it could be a few people, or it could be an entire community of thousands. But if we are in a relationship with others, then there's another voice that we can hear. And sometimes it's that voice that is the voice of hope and encouragement and Mm -hmm. enables us to even believe that things can get better. But if we're off over here, isolated by ourselves, Sometimes it can be really hard to even connect with a message of hope. So if you're listening to us right now and what Lystra has shared has been a blessing to you and you need someone to talk through, to talk to, and to be able to work with, to experience healing in this area, I want you to head over to her website, uh, lystrawilson.com. Lisha, it's been a great time uh, with you today, just hearing more about your story and your obvious passion for this topic and seeing uh, people in general, but women in particular set free. Before you go, I would love to have you speak life into our listening audience. I just sense that there is someone listening to us today that can identify with everything that you've shared. Maybe they have been under attack as they've tried to step into this true identity of theirs that God has called them to. And they're just tired and they're weary. And if they're honest, they're having trouble staying positive and staying hopeful and staying optimistic. And I know that you've had to battle all of these things too, and you coach people through this process. So I'd love for you to share your advice with that person that's listening to us today. Yes, I would love that. Um, Definitely in my journey, I have suffered with clinical depression. I have suffered from rejection. 
from an infant age and um, just suffered from like abandonment and things in my spirit that the enemy tried to use as you're not good enough. You can't do this. You won't succeed. And so if any of those voices sound familiar, if any of that type of journey sounds like something you've been through, I completely understand. And that is why the Lord has me on mission to help, especially women to recover from their hurts of the past and be able to discover the truth of who he created us each to be, and then to give us the courage to move into that purpose. Because when you're moving in purpose and you're in your sweet spot, your lane, there is no more sweet place to be. That just makes your life worth living and it makes it all make sense. And so if there's a way you could even be paid to do what you're passionate about, even better. But until then, at least if you can be doing that as a voluntary thing or serving in your community or your church, that is going to give you that hope, that energy, that fire that you need to deal with some of the other things that are not ideal in your life. And so if you've dealt with some of those things, you're having holdbacks, you feel like every time you just step up, that something else comes against you. It's one more circumstance, one more hard hit on your marriage, one other hit on your children, another hit on your finances, or there's always something. Every time you turn around, there is something. I just want to pray for you today and give you, um, you know, whatever the Lord has to push those things back because we know that the thieves do not break into empty abandoned houses. Thieves break into places where there is treasure, where there is perceived value. And so if you continue to get hit, you continue to get stolen from the enemy's attempts to steal, kill and destroy, keep hitting your front door, then you know that you have something valuable. You know that you have gold inside. You have something that is not just for your own self and your family, but it's for the world. You have something that's not going to just affect your life, but it's going to affect generations inside of you. And that's the part that the enemy wants to stop because it's one thing if, if I go to church, but Hey, if I go and I speak to a hundred women and it changes their family, their children and their generations, I'm affecting generations now. And so there's a lot more threat in that. And so the enemy is threatened by us. If you're feeling afraid, I want you to just think in your mind that that is not your fear. Like come out of agreement with fear because fear does not come from God and know that that's actually the enemy's fear that he's trying to push on you. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of the impact of your life and your gifts that you have inside. And so I just pray right now for all of those that have been struggling, been going through things, been having situations coming against them. I just pray right now that every assignment of the enemy against the people of God would break right now in the name of Jesus. And we just speak a release of the people of God, that they will come out of the shackles, come out of the lies, come out of the wrong mindsets that they may have been stuck in, that they push forward to the truth. I pray, Lord, for a download of your truth to hit your people, that they have a clear understanding of who you are and then who they are through you. And 
And God, I thank you that you would give freedom to the people, that you would speak truth into their life. Lord, that their heart would be filled with the love of God and the identity of who you created them to be. And Lord, that you would give courage to each listener, that they would have the courage to just go out and be fully who you've created them as, that they have permission from heaven to be who they are, that they don't need the permission of man, that they don't need some past before they can be the fullness of who they are in Christ. So Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you bring protection, that you bring strategies, that you bring wisdom of how to move in a new direction to what you've called us to do, God. And that I just speak a blessing over each listener that they would be able to just multiply the gold inside of themselves and be able to bring out those books, bring out that artwork, bring out those songs, just spill out the arts and the creativity that you've created inside of each one of them, God, that they can get to the place you've created for them and be able to bring hope and encouragement to those around them. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.